podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Uh, and it's the pod after Palace have drawn 0-0 with Nottingham Forest at home, uh, heading into an international break. Uh, joining me this week to discuss, well, what a game, uh, it's Jack Pierce. Jack, how are you? I'm well, JD. Yes, it has already blurred into the fog of time, that game. But um, yeah, I'm sure talking over, we'll, we'll pick up a few bits and pieces. But not, not one of the greats, but a, a valuable point, I think we'll all agree. I'm just... Writing blurred into the fog of time. That's this week's title sorted. So thank you very much. Um, Andy Bell is also here. Andy, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, mate. I've spent the last few days respecting the point as hard as possible. That was going to be my other title, actually. But I think blurred into the fog of time is. Uh, it sounds sort of more like a Leonard Cohen lyric. So I think we'll. Do, do you we'll think go. you've probably got previous episodes called respecting the point? Given hundred percent, every yeah. episode when Allardyce was manager was called respecting the point one, respecting the point two. Yeah. So, uh, Roy's last two seasons, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we'll move. It is a fair point. Literally, and it does come up in questions, which we'll get to um, in a minute. Before we do that, a reminder that this season, the FYP podcast is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every televised Palace fixture over the course of the season. So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together, get down your local Green King pub and get closer to the action. A reminder that the Spurs game in a couple of weeks is on TV, so perfect chance to get down a Green King pub. Green King Sport have just launched the Green King Sport Instagram page which will be the home to fan content deals and competitions throughout the season. Drop them a follow, and you won't just be the first to know all about that. You'll be helping the FYP podcast. And you can find your local Green King pub by going to Green King, that's G-R-E-E-N-E-K-I-N-G dot co dot U-K slash pubs hyphen near hyphen me. Um, a reminder that in two days' time, the 7th Palace for Life Marathon March is taking part. The FYP team are going to be there as ever. Um, the foundation are aiming to raise over £100,000 as they did in 2021. So any support from anyone listening uh, will be much appreciated. The FYP donation page is justgiving.com slash fundraising slash FYP podcast 2023. And today, Thursday the 12th, we're already over the £1,250 mark. So thank you so much to everyone that's donated. Really appreciate it. All the money raised uh, goes directly to help vulnerable people across South London. Really appreciate it. And there's more admin because Kevin Day of this parish has released another book um, alongside Kieran Maguire and Guy Kilty from the fantastic Price of Football podcast. The book is called Unfit and Improper Persons, get the name right, Jim, An Idiot's Guide to Owning a Football Club, and uh, pretty much exactly what you'd expect, a humorous uh, and insightful look into club ownership in the UK. Now, they very kindly, Bloomsburg, uh, Bloomsbury, I should say, have given us a code for 25% off when you order the book at bloomsbury.com, and that's just for FIP listeners. The code is 5YEARPLAN25, that's all one word, 5YEARPLAN25, and we will at some point have three copies to give away to our listeners. Keep an eye out on socials and an ear out on this pod to find out how you can get a copy of that. Right. Admin's done, Jack. So now let's move on to Palace nil, Forest nil. That was the good bit. That was, that was the good <laughs> The pod's peaked, I'll be honest. From here, it's uh, it's downhill. Um, lots of questions. I won't read them all out. I might read a couple about the injuries going into uh this game given the circumstances palace went into in the in that game with the injury crisis would you say that's a well-earned point are we respecting the point how do you feel about it i think um given the fact that quite a few palace fans were celebrating winning a bit of money having put some down on a nil nil i think a lot of us maybe saw this one coming but i think it's a valuable point given the uh the decimation of the squad added to during the game. Um, now, whatever you think of Jeffrey Schlupp and Jara Riedewald, um, to lose those two during the game, 
on top of what we're already dealing with and ending up with Chris Richards playing in defensive midfield, a, a, a position he's played in previously, but not for us. And, and Jezrak Saki, you know, having his longest um, amount of time on a pitch. Um, which, and we'll talk about Jez, clearly one of the, the bright spots to come from the game. But yeah, I think we have to respect the point. Um, the only mild regret is that JP doesn't take that chance. And that really would have been a quite a famous victory, I think, if, if we'd managed to get the three points. But Forrest probably created the better chances. I think they were probably the better team in the first half. I don't think anybody could really challenge that. And then the second half seemed a bit more of a, a kind of fairer contest. So we'll take the point. I think um, the fact that we won away uh, Old Trafford the week before probably means that we can look at the two games as four points from two games, which if the other way around, if a point at United followed yeah. by a, a winner yeah. for us, it's just a shame as Dom said last week, you know, it's just the timing that forest game um, with everyone fit would be one that we'd really be looking to go for. And the fact we were competitive, even with the the squad in the state that it's currently in says it all really. I think it, even with just one or two additions that Lerma, you know, maybe one of Lerma, um, Elise Eze in that team may have made the, the dynamic difference that we would have need to get over the line and, and get the three points but no it's done now I think we just look at that and um, never been so grateful for an international break in my life I know yeah me too I normally hate the international break can't believe I'm actually sort of quite looking forward to it and, and enjoying it um, I think Dom said on the post-match pod which if you're a patron I'm sure you you'll have heard already uh, and if you're not patreon.com slash FYP podcast that had that JP shot gone in, it it would have been reminiscent of the sort of the one nil against Bournemouth from a couple of years ago, and it would have been a very famous victory, which it could have done, and he probably should have scored it. Just on the injuries, Belly Rune HDK says, "Can you give an injury update on when we expect to see the players back, if you have time for it, since the list is long?" Luckily, the international break is coming, so I guess we'll have a few back by then. Thanks for the best pod, Rune. Well, thank you, Rune. That's very kind. Um, and it just confirmed that uh, none of us know. We don't. We don't. We're not on the coaching staff. We don't know. We will find out when the listeners find out. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, God, you'd hope that once we come back, there will be some good news. I think uh, I think the, the rumour has it that there's a couple that were smaller. So the Decore, I think Wardy... Um, I think, uh, from what I understand, I think Lerma is a bit closer. Um, and obviously, uh, Franca, um, it did really amuse me to, to see Roy exploding in the press conference about the club, putting out YouTube videos of him training with the squad when he's sort of not taking part in training. So that was quite an interesting moment, but no, I, I, I agree. Like this is a, it's a funny moment with all these injuries. I don't think a week and a half is really going to push us on that far. I think we're still a little bit, a bit further away. So let's see. Let's just keep our fingers crossed. Let's hope that nothing else happens while some of these guys are out on international break. Um, but fingers crossed that, we, that that they're coming back sooner rather than later. It would be very. We've got five players in international break. It'd be very Palace if Ayu and Richards both get injured tackling each other when Ghana <laughs> play USA during the week. I would not, right? You know, I would not put it outside of the realms of possibility. Um, a Jack question here from Quentin Solden. Uh, hi, Quentin. Long time listener, Quentin. Um, I recorded the game as I was watching England in the Rugby World Cup. Would it be worth my while watching the whole ninety plus minutes? Um. If you have the time, do. If not, maybe move on, Quentin. It's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the England game had nothing on the, In the Rugby World Cup, the game had nothing on it. So I'd, I'd say you made the wrong choice. You should have probably recorded it the other way. But hey, Quentin, that's your choice. Um, <laughs> it, it, but if you, yeah, if you got the time, go back. Um, if you didn't, if you don't have the time, yeah, move on. In fact, hey, you, know was... what? you know what? Listen to this podcast and make a judgment. You know, you, you listen to this, Quentin, and you make your call. I'm not going to decide was, which way you go. I was really impressed that Sky actually managed to make a, a highlights package out of it. I mean, there were, what, four moments in the game? There's, well, there's, I, t- I mean, Forrest, <laughs> t- let's be honest. Forest fans will be coming away from that thinking they probably should have taken all three points, given they had the shot more gives why hit the post. I mean, obviously, uh, Mateta should have really scored. But actually, Belly up. Given the fact that I think probably Forest were slightly better, the better team with better chances, should be grateful for the point, really. Oh yeah, I agree. I think there was a big chance in the first half with IU as well. That's, mm. I think Mateta's stolen his thunder there, but the, I think that's almost a better chance. If you watch it back, it comes to him really quickly. But outside of that, he's got a lot of space and quite a lot of time, and he absolutely balloons it. I think I think that was a better chance than the Mateta one. Set up by our playmaker in chief, 
Joe Manson again. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> two centre-halves had two very good games. I felt it was unbelievable to... Um, to hear Mark Gay criticise himself after the game, that was that was quite something. Because that was incredible. Yeah, you know, I, I texted you during the game, Jim, saying, you know, I think he's been absolutely outstanding. Um, mm. He just and he did say during that interview he has very high standards. But um, it, him and Anderson, I, I guess the, the one that I, I said last week, Eze was the injury we really couldn't afford. Well, now we're at the point where an injury to Gay or Anderson is is really the one we can't afford. And the fact they're both now away with with their countries is a little bit worrying, but. You know, given the injury record at Copa's Cope at the moment, nowhere safe really at the moment for any any Palace related hamstring. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But Anderson and Gay both had very good games, and uh, it was a game where the centre halves really kind of shone on Saturday. Murillo clearly had his moments for Forest, mm. and um, and Gay had his run, and Anderson just looked very composed. So that that's why I think we had some elements of the fan base quite confident that we would be able to maintain the nil. It was just whether we could create any chances. And as Belly says, the, the chance for you in the first half and Matesu in the second was pretty much it. We had some nice moments where we were in their final third, but didn't really do anything. Um, even the moments when Jez got in good positions, it didn't really just fall to him. There was the chance that did fall to him and then good block by Toffolo. Um, but other than that, I, I think you have to say and just write it off as a, a nil-nil was probably the right result. I do wonder if like the training ground at Copa's Copa's like, sort of a cartoon style full of banana skins and everyone's just like slipping over all the time sort of going, whoop, like just because it, it is a mad situation to be in and like you do every season there's there's one team that has a sort of pile up of injuries but this is fairly unprecedented we've got a few um theories if you want to hear them behind the injuries from our listeners henry billam hi, hi henry says what do we do in a past life to have this injury curse inflicted upon us I don't know, play Amit Am- Carriage. I don't know what we did, but we've done something, obviously. So. Hired Alan Pardew. <laughs> exactly. Actually, do you know what? We could do a whole spin-off of what Palace has done in this, the past. This, so. uh, this, that, that question just leads into the whole notion of the footballing gods, which is uh, another yeah. story altogether. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, there are a lot of people are asking. So Nick Lloyd, five, uh, Carl Davis, hi, Carl, Carl. Uh, and a few others as well, saying what's going on with the injuries? And sh- is it something we should be worried about? I should say, if you listen to the post-match pod, again, a plug for our, for our patron, patreon.com. There's two people on there, Don Fifield, Adam Sells, who know more about this kind of thing and actually do give a little bit of a sort of insight into why these kind of things happen. I, I don't think, Belly, there's any real sort of conspiracy theory behind it. No. I think it's sort of bad no, luck. The, the, no, the rumour I had heard that I don't necessarily buy, given all of ex- his, his vast experience, is that our overall training is not, uh, hard enough or dynamic enough in the week and that once you get to a match day once you're putting that much strain through certain muscles like the hamstring that's when you get the problems so basically they're not doing enough work in the week but I don't I don't buy it just I mean he's done however many games in management how, across however many different countries etc cetera, etc cetera. I think he knows how to train players I, I think and if you listen to the post-match pod it was really interesting and it's something that had occurred to me I just think that the uh, the medicine in sport has just got so much better now that they can predict stuff and they can get stuff early enough to prevent it from becoming serious injury. Mm. And it, and it's just that the scanning processes, et cetera, et cetera, are so thorough that these things are being picked up. Whereas in years gone by, they probably weren't being picked up, which is, it's a blessing and a curse really. It's annoying in the short term, but a longer term, I guess it's, it's going to work out much better for us. I think that's exactly the point, Jack, isn't it? I think a lot of it is preventative. Yeah, and and just talking about Andy's point there, if if you think of of Roy adapting to so many changes within football over the last forty five years since he's been a coach in Sweden, his annoyance at you know as as referenced in the post match pod that that degree of annoyance of the advancement of medical technology being able to detect you know risks regarding muscle strains, I think Czech Decore was was more of a precautionary um, decision rather than a he he's injured and can't play. I don't know if he's gone away with Marley for the international break, but you know that that ability to to detect that that risk that was there wasn't there for Roy previously. So younger coaches, someone like Paddy McCarthy, who's come through coaching at at this time, is probably very familiar and part of his coaching training was probably in regard to the fitness and maintenance of players' fitness. Whereas Roy just didn't have that. So I, I, I agree entirely with Belly that it's not going to be a case that um that Roy's training adaptation or training methods are still of 1978. He will have moved with the times. It's just that kind of familiarity with the with the advancement of technology that probably is where his annoyance comes from. Um, I think the other thing, 
Jim, your point about every club has, or there's always one club that has, um, you know, a spell of injuries. Every club typically has between three and four injuries on the go as the season progresses. We've got a few more than that at the moment, and and the number is, you know, absurd. And the fact that we keep adding to it is, is yeah, very uh, annoying for for Palace fans. But again, what it does do is shine a light on that squad depth issue. Other squads have got, you know, even Forest bringing on players on on Saturday that you know, or the bench. Czech Coyote being being one of them, you know. Yeah. Just think if you know we maintained it, but not that there was any. When we're all fully fit, no one's thinking. I wish we had Czech Coyote still here. But when there's injuries, you do think, oh, wouldn't it be good if we could call upon someone like him? But I think it's just that combination of us going through that bad time of the season regarding injuries, but so close to the transfer window closing. Just kind of thinking, wish we could have done a, a few more deals and get a few more bodies in, but we haven't. We didn't, and we've got however many weeks until January. So, And we talk about it a lot, and we talk about recruitment a lot. It'd be nice to have an episode where we, where, where we don't. I think you're absolutely the, right. The one, the one free tra- sorry, but the one free transfer that we have floated around the last few weeks has just joined Luton. So we can't even I, go and grab him anymore. No, I know, I know. I did I did make a note of that. Um, I don't think it was really on the cards, but because um, he was training with Luton, I think, wasn't he? So... Um, I think it was a rumour completely spelled up by Andy Bell two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the influence of the FIP podcast far away. Just like we're going to move on to questions in a minute, but I think I think it's important to state that point that 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 despite the narrative around Roy Hodgson, he's you when you're in the game that long, you have to reinvent yourself and you have to keep up with trends. And so clearly, he has. If Roy was still stuck in the past, we'd be playing inverted wingers, you know, and and on inside rights and stuff. So um, that's not true. That's me being a bit facetious. Um, but he is. It's interesting that he is. He does seem very, very spiky in his press conferences at the moment, with on just about everything. Um, so I don't know what that what, what that's in, in in line with. Who knows? But um, I'm think, sure it's I a frustrating last, spell for him. The last few weeks has shown us what Roy's so good at. I think. <clears throat> excuse me. If, if you look at the depleted squad, the Fulham game at home, which just, you know this will probably rile quite a few Palace fans, but. If you look at the two squads on paper, oh, sorry, on the pitch on that day, we probably had no right to really get anything out of it, given what they had on the bench. We go away to Man United, who have a much better squad than us. We win the game. Obviously, it's not pretty, but we take the three points. And the Fulham game and the Forest game are almost identical. They've got a ginormous squad. They've got a lot of energy. They've got a good young manager. You know, on paper, we probably should have lost that one, but we didn't. We got a point from it. I think, dare I say it, if Super Pat Vieira was still in the dugout, we probably would have lost those games. I think it's the guile, the tactical know-how uh, and the understanding of the game that gets us points there. So I think we should be uh, we should be celebrating, Roy, for what he's done over the last, you know, well, generally, I think that anyway, but especially over this last period up until this international break with his hands tied behind his back. Celebrate Roy for 400 Premier League uh, matches as manager as well this weekend. So yeah, talking about exactly. yeah, how he's adapted, he wouldn't have had 400 Premier League matches heading into the the, the year 2024 um, if he hadn't adapted and, and been able to be flexible. But Andy's exactly right. That ability to grind out points when, you know, really we don't have the right to, and fans can rightly bemoan that we shouldn't be in this situation. That's a separate matter as far as I'm concerned. Given the hand that he's got to play to get two points from those two home games or five points from the last three games with the squad that he's had available is a superb achievement. And and dealing with the hand he's got right now and not talking about anything else, Roy is doing a, a fantastic job. But you can see he's frustrated, J.D., as you say, the the, the well, all media engagement at the moment seems a little bit fraught. Um, you know, he's never seemed to enjoy that side of things that much i don't know many managers who currently do you only have to see pep guardiola um who's who's won everything is winning everything last season albeit he's having a difficult start to this season but you know he, he doesn't enjoy that media stuff so when things are stressed and you want to be spending all of your time thinking about how you're going to get points from the next game you don't want to be answering questions about i mean i, I read something about the last round of premier league questions and the questions just weren't relevant to the clubs I, I can't remember what it was about and but sky do that bit where they try and plug other things that are happening on their channels and <laughs> you know they were asking roy hodgson that you know perhaps who he thinks might win the cricket world cup and i know i asked don that last week on the podcast but i know that don likes cricket <laughs> i've no idea if roy hodgson likes cricket like i think it's just one of those things those media junkets can be quite frustrating and you know we have the ability to turn those off and never watch them whereas roy has to sit through all of them and be the the focus of attention so i'm not surprised at the moment that he's Given short shrift to those ones. I'm not sure there are any managers that like that. So Arteta 
famously hates the press as well. I'm trying to think of any... The only manager that comes to mind that I think maybe liked them was, was Alan Pardew. But I think he likes any situation where he gets to talk about himself. Yeah, um, I, think, I think Mourinho's always quite enjoyed his moment in the spotlight as well. Yeah, Mourinho turned them into a into a sort of a bit of a circus, didn't he? Which actually worked for him. Anyway, that's another episode. Um, I think it's a good time to uh, take a break. When we come back, we've got questions from our listeners. Welcome back to the Fabi Plan Podcast. Whee! Sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Um, don't forget as well, I know I teased it twice in part one, uh, if you want to get more from the FYP podcast, including post-match pods um, released after every game, ad-free episodes uh, and access to our Discord club. Uh, we've got a good hundred or so people in there now, so it's always busy. Um, you can join up at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash FYP podcast. And Jack, a quick shout out for the latest in our interview series, uh, which this month was the legend that is Clint Hill. And that's now available to patrons and on the public feed. And uh, he was a joy. He was everything you'd expect and more, wasn't he? He was. He was. And still, um, yeah, I just love talking to ex-players. Just love, just still, you know, I've done a few of them uh, with you now and I just love it. But Clint is, um, yeah, that was, as I think I said during the interview, just, Really insightful, nice guy, um, still in the game, but talks quite honestly about not being the player anymore and and how he's kind of had to change his mindset from that. So really interesting chat about Palace, but just general about his his kind of football life, his career before Palace and what's happened since. So yeah, if you've uh, if you've not listened yet and have uh, got some spare time during the international break, go back and, and have a listen. Yeah, perfect time. And there's more where that came from in future months as well. So uh, keep an ear open for that. Right, questions from our listeners. Uh, quite a few questions on Jared's Raksaki, who had that very um, profitable cameo. Um, so he kept, it was only fifteen minutes on, I think, wasn't it? When when Schlupp got injured, so he had a good, a good old, a good old what seventy five minutes on the pitch. Good old, um, good old, good old time. Time. <laughs> yeah, a good old time, didn't they? Turning into an extra from Eastenders. Um, Rick, it's, it's Ricky Bushel. Sorry, Ricky. Um, hey, Ricky. Hi, Ricky. Says, give JRS more minutes. Uh, Kiwi Eagle 23. Hello, Kiwi. Kiwi. Uh, thoughts on Raksaki. Should he get more starts? And then Achini, one of our all time listeners. Maybe, maybe um, uh, first call out of the season for Achini. Welcome really? to Really? I think so. Wow. Wow. So. Okay. Well, hey, we got a, we, unlike Palace, we've got a big squad. So uh, opportunities <laughs> are limited. Uh, with the opposition doubling up on him, sitting defenders down, having Ray screaming, take him on. Who else was reminded of a certain former winger by Jesse's performance? Those kind of comparisons probably a bit too early, Jack, but it was a good, it was Tommy a Black. good cameo. Tom, Tommy Black? <laughs> how mad is it that I was thinking Tommy Black at that? Oh, really? Exactly. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's mad. <laughs> oh, man. What a guy. I love Tommy Black so much. Um First it was a good him this season as well. <laughs> I don't think it is. I think we mentioned him in a previous episode. Didn't we? Okay, okay. Possibly in the in one of the uh, interview episodes. Oh, um, you got, can you guys please try and interview Tommy Black? Well, oh well, it has been discussed. Well, has that, been that discussed. will do record numbers, please. <laughs> well, he, he, he is on Instagram. We are we are in the process of reaching out, aren't we? So um, yeah. So the problem is, Maybe. you have to interview him and Julian Gray at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, back to Jez. Um, given that he had that performance in the cup or that that chance, Jack, in the cup against Man United, and we talked about that on previous episodes, uh, obviously a bit overawed by that. This was a much much better cameo from Jez, and actually, given the injuries, comes comes at a very good time for him personally. Yeah, I I, I think that point exactly about um, a relatively impressive bounce back from that United performance. He really could have gone into a shell and. And, and just wait for that January window to open and hopefully get a low move and, and kind of leave the, the limelight in that sense. But he took his moment. I, I don't think it was as impressive as some fans might think it was. I think there were elements of his play that I, I felt ah, could still be a little bit sharper. But, you know, given that he's uh, he's not Premier League ready, and we've talked about that previously, I thought it was a really decent performance and showed that he can be called upon while the squad depth is as, is as low as it is at the moment. I thought his defensive work was actually probably better than his attacking work, if I'm being completely honest. I thought that's the bit that Roy's really going to like, and I thought his support Nathaniel Klein, who was making his first league start of the season too, um, I thought was really impressive. And 
just to get through that 75 minutes himself, that's the first time he'll have played that amount of minutes in, in such an intense setting, albeit it wasn't as intense as some other Premier League matches. But no, I thought it was it was his best performance in a, in a Palace shirt by far. Andy, a couple of weeks ago, referred back to his debut against United. And, and actually, I think that 75 minutes against Forest was better than that one as well. So for me, that's his best performance in the first team. Um, it, it will improve with minutes. So if there's a need for him to get minutes in the next few weeks, um, then, you know, hopefully... Saturday's performance will will be a kind of good launch pad for him. I thought kind of fortunate he's coming up against Harry Toffolo, who probably is one of the weaker left backs in the league, but you know, he put him on the floor a couple of times and, and got everyone excited. And, and to be honest, if he did nothing else on Saturday, he was probably the catalyst for keeping the ground a little bit more positive than it might have been. So um yeah, credit to Jez for his best performance in a palace shirt so so far and showed probably what a lot of Palace fans are hoping he'll show in the longer term. Um and his time will come. I think it's probably reassured, including myself, it's reassured fans that there is a player there. Um, I think after the United performance and some of the, um, albeit small cameos he's had so far this season, I was starting to think, what are we actually looking at here? And this guy definitely needs a loan move. But I think he will be able to contribute between now and the um, now and the January transfer window. Um, but I'd still say that loan move at the second tier is is required. Um, but that's no discredit to him or um, any criticism of his performance on Saturday. Yeah, quite a lot of responsibility, actually, given that there was no other flair players on the pitch to, to like you say, carry the crowd a little bit and actually did it well. And actually, R- Roy did mention in his post-match that he was pleased with Jez's uh, tr- tracking back and defensive work, which we know is a big part of Roy's game plan. So clearly that's something he's worked on. Interesting point there about s- still needing the low movement. I do agree with that, but I'm wondering, Andy, if actually given this injury crisis we had, slight justification, and actually it was... Roy, after the game, said he convinced Jez to stay. Slight justification that maybe hanging on to him for this part of the season has worked out for Palace, given that a lot of us, most of us on this pod, did question that. Yeah, I, re- I totally agree with what Jack just said as well about, you know, this This was a it was a good performance, but there's still a lot of question marks. And that's not his fault. That's just the position he is in. And I agree. I think if he had come on on Saturday and not put in that level of performance, I think the question marks would have been massive. And I think maybe at that point, us as a fan base would have started to think, oh, we really want it to work out for this kid. But every time we've had a glimpse of him, it hasn't quite gone the way that we wanted it to. And perhaps which, we, that, which we've seen with many kids down the years. Exactly. And perhaps that's why the reaction after the game from some of these more senior figures like Roy... I saw Will Hughes's interview after the game, like a few of the of the the squad saying, "Wow, what a player this is!" You know, and and he's a professional and he needs to be backed. And you know, I, I feel like maybe, hopefully, let's hope that this is the moment that the confidence shoots up to another level. He takes one more step up that ladder, and then the next time he's given an opportunity, he'll really grasp it. I, I do agree, though. I still think it's too early. I still think he needs a move. I think he needs to be playing or starting games constantly. He needs to make all his mistakes in a place where we're not going to watch all of them in 48 different camera angles in ultra ultra HD. You know, he needs to he needs to go away and be poor in, you know, two out of five games because that's that's how it works. So I feel a bit sorry for him in that respect, but I do think for him his confidence and for us as a fan base to start believing in him fully, he 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 put a few things right on Saturday, I think. Yeah, because Jack, it is such a high-pressured situation. We're not, you know, we're not Warnock's Palace towards the bottom end of the championship anymore where young players can be chucked in and, and fans expect them to be terrible two out of five, as Belly said. This, this is, even, even though a lot of fans want us to challenge more higher up the league and, and, and progress and stuff, and we all want that, even if we're floating around 12th, 13th, 14th, the expectation in the Premier League is massive. And and you don't, as a young player, really get any room for error. You you, you barely get one game to be to be rubbish. Chances just don't come again. So, you know, actually, really looking back, it was it was massively important that he had a good game and it was good for him. But it is unfair sometimes, this pressure we put on young players. Yeah, I think, and, and I'll echo a point that Selzy makes um, many times, that if you're playing in the Premier League, it's, you know, depending on your position you are likely to be one of the best one or 200 players in the world in that position given the the kind of luxury and um resource available to premier league clubs so for jess to even look competitive and he did on saturday to even look competitive is 
is a step in the right direction for him and uh, an indicator that the work that Roy Ray and Paddy are doing with him and the, the work the club have done with him during the um, kind of the youth um, era of his career is all good. It's put him in good stead. It's just as, as Andy says, that kind of um, consecutive matches, knowing you're going to start, knowing you've got the responsibility. Um, that's what will build him into a Premier League player. But I think we certainly saw enough to know that he, he has got something about him. Um, and, We'll see what happens with him between now and, and the rest of the season. We, you know, we just talked in part one about France are coming back. You know, it's rumoured that Elise is not that far back. Eze's prognosis was six weeks from two weeks ago, so it's likely he'll be back in the next month. With those guys back, you're anticipating that Jez's opportunities will be very, very limited. Um, but for him to be let out, I still think we probably need to add one or two more in January. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But I, I think it's that point really for me that he didn't shy away and he came back out. I was actually surprised when the sub was made that it was him. I actually thought it would be David Ozo. And the fact that with 10 minutes to go, Roy put Chris Richards at the base of midfield says to me that he could well have done that when Jeffrey Shop went down and moved the midfield around a little bit, maybe move Will Hughes up 10 yards. He didn't. He went with Jez, which says to me that the work that Jez is doing at, at Beckenham is, is still impressing Roy and Ray. So yeah, good, good day for, for Jez for sure. And um, yeah, I hope it's the beginning of, of, of something proper for him and Palace because there's so much hope for the guy. You know, what's interesting as well, just on Jez, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi didn't have a great game. I didn't yeah. think he looked all right in, in fits and spurts, but if that was Callum Hudson-Odoi who had come off the bench for us on 150k a week, <laughs> You know, we'd all be sitting there thinking, oh, he did all right, actually. But, you know, but because his name's Callum Hudson-Odoi, you you look at it in a completely different spectrum. So, like, I, I think this it does boil back into the kind of the ownership of the club. And, you know, you hear this, like, giving players pathways and, and all this kind of stuff. But I think that's actually a, quite a good example of what maybe they are trying to do yeah. to a certain extent. So we probably could have signed Hudson-Odoi and spent a load of money but would we have got the result that we necessarily wanted out of it? Whereas, you know, giving Jez an opportunity is far cheaper for the club, you know, and in terms of the longevity of the club, it's better for us generally. It's just quite interesting. It did strike me the other day when he came on looking at those two players, you know, that sliding doors of what could have been if we decided to go down a slightly different path. And in that respect, I'm quite pleased that we did keep him around and we didn't bother splashing the cash because the result was the same ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that the, the next crop of young players um, coming through is particularly exciting, I think, from a club perspective. But you're always going to have that battle between giving those pathways and experienced managers who want to um, earn the points in the Premier League. So it's an interesting one. Um, I'm going to go from a player who's played really well then to a, a player who... Mm, I'm slightly going to do a compliment sandwich here because I've got another player that played well that I'll, I'll do in a minute. But I'm going to in between them go with someone who often doesn't, although I think it's topping 3-2-1 at the moment. Anyway, it's Mateta, oh, Jack. Oh, um, JP. Yeah. I didn't know who you were going to go with then. Um, okay. Well, do you know, I don't think it's a bad game. But we've, got, we've got one question here from, from Jim A, as in E-H. So I'm guessing it's sort of maybe a northern Jim. Now, I'm going to assume this question is mostly tongue-in-cheek, but here we go. I'm going to say it anyway. Does Mateta get in the starting lineup of any other team in the league? It gets it gets worse. How many does he score for Sutton United? <laughs> Fancy either of those, Jack? Haven't seen enough of Sunday night to know how many chances they're creating for JP to fluff. Um, but, <laughs> I, I mean, he had one chance on Saturday and I didn't think he was ever going to score that chance. As soon as the ball came across from, from Odson Edward, who, again, had a quiet game, but he was moved out of his you know preferred position this week. As soon as the ball came across and as soon as... JP just let that ball roll across him just one yard too far. I thought, uh, I don't think. I was actually surprised he got the shot away, to be honest. I um, I, I thought a Forest defender may have got in there because um, because of how long JP took to hit it. So despite having had a relatively good spell with Palace and, you know, the performance against Wolves was was game-changing, match-winning, you could argue. His hat-trick at Plymouth was, was good. Um, yeah, obviously, any hat-trick's good. There is still a lack of confidence for a player who is a striker who didn't take that type of chance. I mean, I, I think I said to you, Jim, I was amazed that he had as much time in the penalty area. How many times does a Premier League striker get that much time in an opposing penalty area? And he just didn't look confident. So clearly there is still work to do with him. He did OK for the rest of the game. He put himself about, but he, he didn't really act as that um, kind of fulcrum for for 
players to kind of join the attack, but then there weren't really the players to join the attack. So I don't know whose fault that that really was. Um, so yeah, I mean, we know the limitations of JP. He has his moments, but generally speaking, I think it's a fair question of how many te- in terms of how many teams in the league he gets into the starting eleven of. Not many. Maybe maybe Sheffield United and and Luton. I think you could argue. Um, I don't think he's better than Dominic Calvert Lewin. I don't think. I don't know who Wolves play up top actually, because if Huang's got five in seven games, so I don't know where he's playing. But um, yeah, I mean, just looking at the bottom six, he, he might get into a couple of the teams, um, but mainly the, the promoted teams. Probably Burnley's team, although Lyle Foster seems to be quite a decent striker. So yeah, I, I don't know. And that's for Sutton United. I don't know, ten to fifteen, give him credit. Not bad, not bad return. Even at League, are they League Two now? Sutton United. Yeah, but to cost, you know, we we want fifteen million. So if Sutton have got fifteen million spare, they're probably worth. <laughs> Doing something different with it. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I think um, to be fair, I mean Roy's worked out what his strengths are, hasn't he? He's he's a last 15 minutes, chuck him on, cause a bit of havoc. Yeah, he's always you know, he's never been for us, you know, start him up top number. You just look at him and you know what you're gonna get from him. So like I don't think any of us really are surprised with the performance that he put in on, on Saturday. It's, it's neither bad nor good. It's it's just there. Yeah, which, is, which I suppose you know he's probably what's the be- bad in the if you could, What's the best thing about Mateta? He's there. He, he just he's turns just up. Just there. He's, he's not a, injured. He's reliable. He turns up on time for games. I mean, that's that's something. <laughs> it's the Terry Fennick issue. That that's how Terry Fennick got twelve England caps. I think just being the first on the bus. <laughs> if you look how Roy's deployed him, those those ten minute cameos. You know, like that, the, the Leicester game last year, you chuck him on the last 10 minutes, scores the goal, the yeah. Wolves game, all these games where he comes on and causes a bit of havoc. There are plenty where he doesn't, and we all know that. But I think, yeah, we, we're trying to hang our hat on him a little bit in this moment where we're light on the yeah, ground. Exactly. And and I agree with Jack. When that ball came across, I was like, there's no chance that's going in the goal. I was actually amazed how close it went to the goal. Yeah, a good connection. Hit it well. Yeah, and he, I mean, he, we, we are told he's a good finisher, and we have seen it in, in bits. And actually, I think if he'd taken a touch, may have possibly set himself a, a bit, a bit better to shoot. I mean, from, does Edward score that? If if the roles reverse and he and he squares it to Edward, does Edward put that? I think Edward gets it on target. I think yeah, whether I think he actually beats yeah. beats the keeper, I don't know, mm. but I think he gets on target. I, I do think I completely agree that the the best role for JP is that is that cameo role Chaos and the, factor. Yeah, exactly. And Roy has got the best out of him. I actually think we are possibly maybe getting the best out of. JP right now it's just that the ceiling is incredibly low um I actually don't think he's put in a terrible performance in a while now I think he's just put in a sort of a solid five out of ten now and then he holds the ball up causes a bit of chaos and create bits here and there but I think I expect so little from him that when he does something well it's almost like a bit of a bonus but and that's not his fault again we you are blessed with the amount of ability that you are blessed with and that's that's it and you can work in training a bit and maximize a little bit does, but i think with jp as well in terms of his off the ball work it depends who we're playing you know i thought he had a really decent game in terms of the press against united but forest didn't play in the same way that that press could be applied yeah. they moved the ball differently it was a totally different game so he had to he had to kind of press differently and, and maybe hold it. <clears throat> there were elements of the game. I, I watched Saturday on TV. I wasn't able to make it on Saturday. But if I'd been there, I dare say people, um, well, I used to say it at the very least, um, would have been criticising him for the same things that people used to criticise Ben Teke of, of not pushing hard enough and not pressing high enough. Players are instructed to press in certain parts of the pitch against certain oppositions. And sometimes they press higher, sometimes they press lower, or they don't press at all, given the, the kind of tactic adopted by the other team. And on Saturday, it just looked like we were happy for Forrest to have not the ball between the two centre-halves, between the, the deeper line midfielders. And then they, when they moved the ball forward, we were able to kind of adapt, albeit Morgan Gibbs-White's chance comes from that wonderful pass by Murillo um, over the top. And those things are just kind of world-class. You just deal with them. But in terms of criticism of, of JP in that sense, I, I yeah, I, I think he had such a good game against United in that sense that people may expect him to do the same against Forrest a week later, but it was just a totally different game from, from where I was sitting anyway. I yeah. think that's a really good point. It's, we have to remember how the team's been set up to maximise what we've got on the pitch. And I think that's probably at the expense of the attacking third. And and you're totally right, Jack. It's that Benteke thing. It's like, why did people, people get so infuriated that he would play every week? It's because, yes, scoring goals is what a striker's supposed to do, but they're also supposed to do the job for the team. And, and Roy, that's what Roy does. That's, that's you know, Roy, Roy sets up a team to do what he needs it to do in that particular 90 minutes. And it did it. We didn't lose. 
with a completely depleted squad. So I think people can jump on certain players back, and, and JP's probably one of them, because of that reason. I mean, does that mean that when he gets a half chance, he shouldn't put it away? Well, that's debatable. That's football, isn't it? But I think we should be fairer to him in so much as, you know, the team is set up in a certain way and he's disciplined to it. And that's probably the most important thing at this current moment. Yeah. As Jack was talking there, I was I was getting the phrases high press, low block. And I realised that my athletic subscription is really paying off. Uh, so that's great. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, Super Sam Johnson in goal. Um, two questions here. FPL Taxi. Hello, taxi. taxi. By my reckoning, Super Sam is second only to Allison in the Premier League goalkeeper rankings. Am I right? Don't know, but um, possibly. Sounds about right. And then Joe Rossiter, Hi, Joe. 10. Hi, Joe Rossiter. Is Sam the best keeper we've ever had? Oh, Jack. What do you reckon? Uh, Cedric Bertalan for me. Still the best yeah. of the charts. It's got to be Fraser Digby, surely. <laughs> oh, yeah, big phrase. Um so the first question in terms of oh, in terms of goalkeeper, well, he is top of the charts in Premier League clean sheets, isn't he? With four, I think he is, and uh, I think it was I the first Nick Pope time and Nick Pope and uh, Edison could have gone level with him on Sunday, and neither did. So I think I think Sam Johnson is at the top of the charts by himself, and it's the only, only only keeper this season with three clean sheets in a row. I think, or something like that. There was a three. I'm going to research it as, while you talk. I'll see if I can get. I some mean, stats. I, I think patrons have probably had their fill of goalkeeper chat, given that you pop quizzed Selzy on, on the post-match pod in terms of which goalkeeper wears which brand of gloves, which I actually quite enjoyed. But anyway, we'll, we'll focus on Sam Johnson rather than talk about our goalkeepers. Um, uh, Patreon.com slash FAP podcast if you're interested. <laughs> it was good. Selzy's knowledge is, but as he said, it is his job. So, but anyway, uh, I think Sam Johnson is playing some very good football. Um, and I mean that in terms of he's at the top of his game in terms of his shot stopping but I think everything else that comes with being a goalkeeper his management of his defenders his management of the penalty area but also and as as has evolved over the last you know 15-20 years his um, contribution to the way the ball's played out and his ability to play the ball out is is very very good I think it's improved since last season um, I think a, a summer of knowing he was going to be number one has helped him massively um, and I think he's played some really good football the fact that he has maintains his spot in the England squad as probably third choice, even though Ramsdale is not getting minutes for Arsenal at the moment. Above Nick Pope, who, you know, is playing Champions League football, would say to me that Southgate has seen enough in his distribution to know that actually that's maybe where Sam Johnson is better suited to the England squad than Nick Pope currently is, because I know there are, you know, some comments regarding Nick Pope's distribution. So I'm really pleased for Sam. I think he's found some really good stuff. Um, in some ways, and I don't mean this against Dean Henderson, but in some ways, the injury to him at least removes that whole conversation about who's number one in the short term, at the very least. Don't know any detail as to when Dean will be back, but you know, in the short term, we know that Sam is number one. He's done nothing to suggest that he won't be number one in terms of his form for, um, what, since he got the gloves in the Leeds game? And um, I, I think, uh, yeah, he, he probably is in the, in the top echelons of, of Premier League goalkeepers at the moment in terms of current form, for sure. Uh, I've got that stat. It is, you're right. Um, uh, only keeper to keep four clean sheets this season. And the first time in his career that he has kept three clean sheets um, in a row in the Premier League, I think. Yeah, that but again, is... as sells you to point out to you, his previous tenure in the Premier League was in front of a very ropey West Brom defence. So let's <laughs> not give true. the guy some credit. It, even so. These are these are impressive, uh, impressive stats. Um, where does he rank for you then? <laughs> belly in terms of it's an unfair it's such an unfair question oh, but he, he is impressing isn't he yeah yeah he, he definitely is impressing he's doing everything right i think what's what's really nice and i think this is something that the uh the recruitment guys at palace have done really well is that not only have they brought in really good players but they've brought in really good people and i think i i genuinely believe that is actually part of the ethos and the and the sort of transfer system within the club is that they have to fit a certain profile of player, but also a certain profile of person. And I think he is slap bang, like in that mold. Yeah. I think he's a properly good bloke. Um, I was lucky enough to, I met him a couple of times now. I saw him on Saturday. I'd had far too many beers and he was very nice with me. So again, shows, shows what the level of geezer that he is. But, um, I think he's a proper family man. He's got two young kids that he brings up to, brings up to the game of running around, loving it. I think he's a, he's a properly nice guy and I think he really deserves it. I think he had had a tricky season last season. 
I think when he got his chance, he, you know, obviously was injured himself and he struggled to settle down, I think, maybe last year. But he settled down this year and nailed it down. And then now this is going to become really interesting with Henderson when he gets back fit and firing. And the club have obviously made a bit of a problem for themselves there and a rod for their own back. But if he carries on playing like this, you know, it's it's undoubtable that he will be our number one. Uh, absolutely undoubtable. But we must also, I think, give a nod to um, the centre-backs in front of him. <laughs> I think he's been given a lot of support there and, and the coaching as well. But, yeah, no, great bloke. And uh, long may he continue. There's a, they're, they're building a crop of, of of nice people in this squad. And I know that these days clubs take into account so much more than ability, you know, attitude and, and personality. Found some interesting quotes here while I was looking for that stat from the CPSC Transfers HQ Twitter account. Johnson talking about it was hard. I was trying to settle in a new area in London with my family. It was hard, to be honest. New experience for me. I'd lived away from home a number of times. It was the first time I had to move so far from home, move the kids, find schools, no family support. We got through it. That's football. It was something I just had to kind of deal with as it all happened. You know, again, um, interesting that there are, you know, players are people and there's lots more to deal with. Um, and actually, that's not a surprising quote, Jack. We've heard similar things before, but I guess it's just nice sometimes to give a bit more sort of a rounded information on on these people away from the pitch. Funnily enough, it actually reminded me of talking to Clint Hill. He, he talked about yeah. that exactly um, in the same way as, as Sam's just talked about, that that decision to move your family, you know, five, six hours away from, from where you live. I know Sam was, was probably in the West Midlands, so maybe not as far as that, but, you know, it's a massive lifestyle choice. And, and the other thing with Sam Johnson, you have to remember, is he wasn't playing for West Brom in his last half a season there either, and then didn't play for us for the first three quarters of, of his first season with us. So, you know, he must be absolutely relishing just being you know, a Premier League goalkeeper at the moment. And and that may be contributing to to his form as well, just knowing that he wants to maximise every moment mm. that he's got. But yeah, that, that does need to be taken into consideration. I think that may well be some of the kind of rumour that, that the deal for Henderson was in view of, of Johnston perhaps not being as settled in the area. So if he's coming out publicly and saying that that kind of settling process is now starting to take take hold, then then that's really reassuring. But as, as Andy says, the club have made uh, a rod for their own back in having two very, very good goalkeepers on the books, albeit Dean Henson's currently um, not available. So, um, yeah, long may it continue. I think, um, you know, justified reward in in getting uh, an England call-up, just hopefully wrapped up in cotton wool and, and comes back and is, is in place to, to play Newcastle a week on Saturday. JD, who's your, um, who's your goalkeeper? Uh, what, all time? Yeah, go on. Oh, uh, I'll give you give you my proper answer. Do you want a proper answer? You don't want a joke answer. You want a proper you, answer. You give, a, you give both. Give both. Uh, not joke answer, but I think my favourite in terms of personality was probably Alex Kalinko. And you just you just never knew what you're going to get with him. Like sometimes he would pull off an amazing save, and you're like, oh my god. And then other times he would. Li- li- I remember the Wolves home game, Smith's last game, where he literally punched the ball into his own net. The second goal for Wolves. And then everyone started throwing their season tickets on the pitch, literally because of Kalinko. Uh, and then got smacked in the face by Trevor Francis for yes. laughing when we couldn't see the goal. Oh, what a character. Um, I think the best is Julian. I don't, I don't think you can, for, for everything, I don't think you can look past Peroni. Yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, Jill, Jill's right there. I, I, probably the the love of, of kind of, childhood but Nigel Martin just was was really solid just looked like a goalkeeper and uh was my, was my first football shirt his black 94-95 shirt I actually asked for a goalkeeper shirt for my first football shirt which wow it's a bit bizarre looking back at it but yeah love Nigel Martin that is hipster um, that's very hipster yeah yeah good shirt though it was the nutmeg, nut, yeah. nutmeg shirt looked very cool Classic. um yeah. yeah but yeah Nigel Martin but yeah Jules is right up there but I think in terms of caliber of goalkeeper then Sam is probably up there, it's all relative, isn't it, as to, to where yeah. you're playing and you know, playing in the Premier League for as long as, as we've got Andy. Oh, it's tough. Um, I think probably Julian, just given everything. Um, but yeah, there have been some real characters, haven't there? Gabble Karai, Gabble, yeah, Carlo yeah. Nash. Let's, let's go right back. Carlo um, Nash, Carlo Nash, yeah, Rose finest. Oh, yeah, no, this would be great. Some great ones. I, I just think, like, I know when me and Jim were going through the list of like all time, all timers as well, it's so hard now to judge given where we are as a club. Yeah. It's just that so many of the players that now represent our club, and how great is this, are just technically fantastic footballers. Yeah. It's like we've just moved on so far. 
it, but then it becomes more about the character than it does about the ability, doesn't it? And we've certainly had a few of them. From yeah. Dolman from Dolman to Decore in thirteen years. <laughs> journey. And then we just got hammered on Twitter for picking Darren Ambrose over Dilly Lombardo. Which I think it's something we regretted as soon as we stopped hitting record. Social media. Uh, never mind. Hey, that's what that's what creates debate and that's uh, what podcasts are all about. Um let's wrap up there, uh, because we're gonna come on to three, two, one uh in a minute, um, where we're gonna hand out some points as we do most weeks. See you in a bit. Podcast. It's time for three, two, one, which is a new feature this season where we pick three players or people uh, who have impressed in the past week, and then one of them gets three points, one of them gets two, one of them gets one. Over the course of the season, whoever gets the most points will get an FYP player slash person of the year plus person of the year award, maybe, um, which I'm sure will be highly coveted, and I'm sure all the players in the dressing room right now are trying to work out who's top of the list. I can reveal with five points so far this season, John Philippe Mateta is top. And with four, Edward and Anderson are second and third. Belly, let's come to you. Any of those guys in the running for points this week for you? Uh, not for me. My player this week, just because I think he was really good on Saturday, but he's been really good since he's been called upon. His attitude's always spot on. I think he's a thoroughly good egg, good person to have around. Technically very good, but doesn't doesn't always get the plaudits. Is Will Hughes. So mm. I would like to chuck Will Hughes in for a, for a mention this week. I think I just think he's a great, he's a very very solid footballer. He never really gets the plaudits. Um, and my dear old dad, who comes with me from time to time, he's the only player that he asks after. It's interesting. Oh. He's not bothered by Eze or or any of these guys. Who he loves Will Hughes. So no, I, I think Will deserves a shout out given the last the last run of games. Hughes is a lovely shout, and I suspect actually over the course of the season he will tick over in the three-two-one. I don't think he'll win, but he's already on two points this season. And for someone that's not a regular, uh, I think that's pretty good. I think he knows his position in, in the in the squad. Happy to play it, and as you say, from a lot of these training videos, seems like a again another nice lad to have around, which is very important. So lovely shout for Hughesy, uh, and actually might see more of him in the coming weeks, depending on on injuries. Jack, who's your shout going for? Just just quickly on Will Hughes. Derby that means uh, Derby born and bred Derby race so probably meant quite a lot to him on, on Saturday probably didn't want to lose that one and um, his type of game in a sense is you know scrappy in the middle but you know when he had the ability to uh, make close control and move the ball he's, he's got a lovely touch lovely way to pass Will Hughes I think you know a lot of it gets lost in him being a bit of a um, a mad tackler but yeah technically I think he's he's very very decent and a left foot centre mid always looks quite nice on the eye as well so uh, yeah uh, I agree with Belly I thought he was he was one of the better performers on, on Saturday I'm going to go Mark Gay again I think I've gone with him the last few weeks I just thought he was absolutely excellent again on, on, on Saturday won't kind of go back over the kind of analysis from part one but that partnership he's got with with Jerkham Anderson is um is sensational. I know you put it to to Selzy and Dom in the, the post match pod from a from a listener, but you know, where where those two rank as a partnership um in the league and they've got to be right up there. And I, I think Selzy said I don't know who we who he'd swap them for. I think, you know, in terms of partnership, City don't have a, con- a consistent partnership. Um so maybe Arsenal's uh, Gabriel and uh, Saliba mm-hmm. might be up there in terms of rivalry, but in terms of palace partnerships that they are absolutely sensational. And I've, I've noted that Mark Gay is starting to get more praise from the, the wider media. Um, listening to the dulcet tones of Danny Murphy yesterday, waxing lyrical about him. So, um, yeah, I think focus and attention will will only build with Mark, particularly if he gets some starts with these two next England games, which I think is, is more than possible. So um, he's a wonderful player. Incredible pickup by Palace. And um, again, he's he's a case of enjoying what we've got him because I don't know how long we're going to have him. But in terms of his his abilities, he, he really could go right to the top. He, he's absolutely brilliant. Comfortable on both feet, defensively, instinctively brilliant. Um, and, and has that ability from centre-half to kind of dictate the pace and movement as demonstrated with his, I think, most rambunctious run up the pitch that he's had in the Palace shirt. I think he's, he took inspiration from Murillo and thought, oh, having a bit of that. And... Um, Lovely pass, actually. The run was very decent, but the pass and, and weight of pass to, to Jez um, was very nice and it didn't go anywhere. But yeah, he's got that ability to get the team up the pitch too. So yeah, Mark Gay for me. 
Uh, uh, well. not, not only that, not only stellar performance, but then comes out afterwards and says, yeah, "No, I was rubbish today." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love that interview. Like, just that there's such an intelligent, erudite young man there, really thoughtful. You can see that's Captain Material. Um, again, seems like a really nice lad, and I just I really enjoyed that interview. That made me think, "Oh yeah, we've got we've got someone proper here." And actually, in terms of a leader, we've we've got someone very very serious. So, Captain um, Captain Material, Jim, and Captain on Saturday. First, first time he had the armband this season. There you go. Um, so we've got the best partnership, centre-back partnership in the league, one of the best goalkeepers and the worst striker. So we're, we're, racking, we're racking up all the uh, all of the awards. Is he the worst striker? He's probably not the worst. Is he worse than Carlton Morris? Probably not. Oh, is he worse than Archer? <laughs> okay. We might have the worst striker in the league. Anyway, that's another that's another debate for another podcast. Um, my vote goes, I think Jez has to be in the running this week. Talked a lot about him in the first two parts. Big moment for him. He took his chance. Um, got exactly the sort of praise he'd want from, from from Roy afterwards. I think he's given himself a chance now for at least the next three or four months to get more to get more opportunities. I think he has to be in the running for a, for a point. Um, and I'm I'm excited about seeing more of him. I'm not a lot of the time when kids come in, you're slightly nervous about is this is this kid gonna sort of screw it up. I'm excited to see more from Jez now. And I think that shows how well he did on Saturday. So Hughes, Gahey and Raksaki are our players. Where do we want to put the points, Jack? What are you thinking? I'm, I'm stepping out a bit this week. I feel like I overplayed my card last week. So I'm more than happy to be kind of directed by you two. Well, I'd say, Belly, I think Jez is worth two. I think yeah. it's solidly in the middle. So that's one for Hughesy or three or one or three for Hughesy and Gay. What are you thinking? I think Gay's got to be top of the tree this week, surely. I'm, I'm happy with that. I would go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Jack's obviously happy with that. Um, that. Yeah. So, and then Hughesy on his, Hughesy, that actually sort of like tallies up really because Hughesy sort of ticks along with his one. Uh, Jez gets a two, which puts him on the board and puts him above Mitchell, Eze and Roy and Ray. Gay here, that puts him up to four. Joint second, uh, and Hughesy that puts him up to three, firmly mid table. I think those so are very good. So another week, scores. another week goes by, and Jean Philippe Mateta is the 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 so called worst striker in the league is still yeah. top of the charts. Yeah, <laughs> he's on his way to a very cheap trophy at the end of the okay. season. Okay, no, I, I'm I'm loving this series. I'm loving this element of the game. I think maybe we need to rethink the allocation of points moving forward. Um, he's going to win. This, he's going to win with five points, isn't he? Somehow. In May, yeah. he'll still have five points. It's going to be spread. David Ozo is going to get two next week. It's going to keep, <laughs> keep sloppy or get one. I, my prediction is by by pod 500, actually even before that, uh, Mateta will be knocked off top spot. I Unless think. he scores a hat-trick against Newcastle, I think by the end of the next pod, he may well have slipped off top spot. You've got Gahey, Anderson and Edward. In, yeah, I think one of those is probably going to go Anderson will get injured in the international break, so he won't play. <laughs> the uh, thing is, the table never lies. So. <laughs> it's very true. true. Very true. Uh, Belly, I know you've got to leave us. So thank you very much for joining us today. And Thanks we'll hopefully see me. you again uh, very soon over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. See you, boys. See you later, mate. Take care. Right. Thank God he's gone. Thought we'd never get rid of him. Um, always good having Belly on what top bloke. Uh, right. So, Jack... There isn't really much else to talk about because obviously there's no game to preview, um, which we are, we're planning an episode next week. So we might do a little bit of a preview in that for the uh, Newcastle game. If we don't do one, should we do a quick 90 second preview here? Uh, it's going to be a tough game, but they do have a, a midweek game. Is that going to help us at all or given the riches in their squad? No. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they they took a point away at West Ham after the Champions League game, so I think they've got enough in the squad to to move some bodies around if they need to. But yeah, that, it's going to be very tough. I I would, I'd love a point at the very at the very best. To be honest, I, I can't see us getting three, particularly with the injury crisis we've got. But then again, I was of that opinion before the United game. So who knows? Who knows? But Newcastle don't lose very often at home. I think that's probably. Um, been true since how came in nearly two years ago so they they really are quite decent at home um so we'll see i think they've got dortmund away next week so um there is the travel element as well so we shall see but yes yeah, it's far enough away to not really know where we're going to be at in terms of our kind of first 11 uh, hopefully as we said earlier on one or two back for that one at st james's park my prediction is is one all uh anderson for palace Anderson for Newcastle. That's my that's my prediction. Yeah. The Andersons. If that if that comes in, we won't see you the week after because you'll be on, on, the, <laughs> on a cruise or something. That's good. 
I do love a cruise, actually. I yeah, do. I can Cru- imagine. Cruises are underrated. Pina Colada. Yeah, love oh, it. Oh, yeah. Don't know where fun. you're going to go week to week. Oh, go to that island. Oh, week where are we week? going now? When's How much to <laughs> Bloody hell. Well, that might be, you know, that's the retirement plan, isn't it? Go on one of those six-month cruises around the Caribbean or I, I something. I can guarantee yeah. you right now, listener who heard you say a minute ago, there's nothing to talk about, is nodding their head right now as we talk about <laughs> Jim Daly on cruises. And also questioning how much Green King are paying us if I'm planning a six-month cruise when I retire. <laughs> it's not that much, is it? Uh, uh, no. Um, <laughs> I could, I could probably do a six-month pub crawl around the pubs of Buckingham. About the Green King. Yeah, yeah, lovely. That'd be good. We should do that as a little oh, no, feature at some point. Who knows? Um, anyway, um, quick breaking news. Or do you want to talk? Let's do. The, let's go through the internationals really, really quickly, just to confirm. Our internationals are Gahey and, and Johnson playing for England. Yeah, uh, they've got Australia tomorrow night, and then um, Italy in a qualifier on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I suspect Gahey probably gets a few minutes there. I think Johnson probably sits firmly on the bench. Probably. Um, I think that the. Issue for Gay is is because John Stones is back, um, who Gareth Southgate obviously loves. So it's 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 really whether he kind of pursues the uh, Harry Maguire selection as he has done previously. But who had who was good for United last game? He's he's yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, right. so, yeah. You know, let's not go down the whole Harry Maguire rabbit hole because there's so much to talk yeah. about there. But um, Southgate clearly trusts him. I think what what will be interesting is if it is Stones and another, and it's not Maguire due to his current club situation, it'll just be interesting to see where Gay is among the others. So Levi Colwell, for example, who maybe is not getting the best opportunity at Chelsea, given that he's often playing at left-back, but I think Gay well. did nothing to disgrace. He has done well, but at left-back, yeah. I think what Gay yeah. is showing week in, week out, that he's yeah. he's very, very capable at that centre-half, and, and that's might be uh, maybe what... Um, what Southgate is looking at. I Lewis wouldn't Dunk. be on... Lewis Dunk is the other option. And again, for legal Scored, reasons, scored at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, we won't go into Lewis Dunk on this podcast, but... Um, I, yeah. it, it, it's tough on when you're a fan of a team like Palace because you want your players to be do well internationally, but you also don't want them to get injured. So I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be unhappy if he gets a 25-minute cameo against Italy um, or whatever. Well, uh, Gay, and, and Gay missed the Villa game after injury on international break last time around. So oh, there you go. Yeah, that's exactly you're exactly right. But you want, as you say, you want these players to get the recognition for their performances and you know, representing your country is an amazing achievement. But yeah, really, from my perspective, I want them fit for Newcastle on the week on Saturday. Uh, Anderson uh, will almost certainly, I'd say, probably play 180 minutes for uh, Denmark against Kazakhstan and San Marino, uh, and then IU plays for. I mean, the, the big, the big guns. Um, <laughs> I, think can, um, I think they can call, uh, confirm qualification for the Euros. This right, this okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, IU plays for Ghana against America, so against potentially against Chris, Chris Richards uh, and where Mexico. Is, where is that? Uh, in America, so that's a bit of a bit of a trek for both of them. Okay. Uh, and then, um, I was hoping it was going to be one of those classic New Den international fixtures where, for some reason, America play Ghana. <laughs> I'd go and watch that actually. I love um, those games. And then Cliff Richards play. They play Germany in Connecticut as well. It is mad that they're making these guys play go go all that way, play two games in five days, and then have huge. When managers come out and say that the players are under sort of too much. Uh, strain at the moment. When you look at this, you think, yeah, they are actually. It's it's madness, really. Uh, Jim, a lot of them gonna... for Chris Richard for two friendlies. Yeah, but if you if you're going to sign American players, the... <laughs> okay, that's a fair it's, point. It's yeah. there, like that. That's it. Like you know, um, and you know, we we say that with the you know Afcon on the on the horizon in, in January too. So, um, yeah, and Jordan, I think Captain Garner in a recent fixture, so he's he certainly is getting minutes. So yeah. again, you've just got to hope they they go and and are looked after by their kind of federations and and any injuries, any kind of niggles are are kind of respected, and um, and they come back fit. But I think the the biggest thing, I think this was the case with Jefferson Lerma when they came back. Not only was he injured, he didn't get back to Beckenham until the Friday morning. Yeah, because the you know when the second game finishes our time, it's like three o'clock on the Thursday. So yeah. once everything's been done and they travel home, it's it yeah. And there's no time for them to rest other than the, the flight home. So Well, yeah, then they've so got a massive trip up, up north to Newcastle, one of the worst away games you yeah. can have after the international yeah, break. that's very true. I mean, Jefferson Lerma, I presume, as you haven't named him there, has not been named in the Columbia squad and is considered still injured. So that's, yeah, that is that is at least so. one good thing and hopefully timed with him returning to our team because I think he will add something to, to our midfield. Um, and Czech, again, I don't think was named with Marley, having just checked after I mentioned that earlier on. So, again, hopefully time to recuperate and be back for that Newcastle game. 
Fingers crossed they all return in one piece. Um, speaking of, well, not one piece, many pieces, the building bricks are about to get started, hopefully, in building the new main stand because the Athletic, uh, Woozy at the Athletic, has announced this morning um, that the development project is progressing well. And this is a direct quote. Most of the formal barriers um, have been cleared, uh, although costs have ballooned to £150 million. Pounds, uh, I think 100 million was the initial quote, so that's a 50% um, increase. Um, time to get excited, Jack. I mean, I'm looking forward to the, the, the bigger leg room potentially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just that thing that every fan has a suspicion might never happen. So, you know, I think um, any indication it is still on the horizon and will happen, I think, is a positive thing. Um, I don't know, was there an estimation in terms of when this will now be? complete or even the work begin in this that is subject subject to further discussions with various consultants right okay well i mean that type of language suggests to me there's still some work to be done yeah um you know working in a not too distant realm from such wording i can think that there are a few things so well despite the uh, the formal barriers being removed maybe there are some informal barriers that need to be addressed but um, you've written those sentences in reports haven't you exactly <laughs> I'm looking at this uh, statement wondering if I wrote this. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, all in all, uh, good news. Um, the cost thing, I guess, as we've heard time after time in recent weeks with various political conferences, the cost of building works and building materials has skyrocketed in recent times. So it's no surprise to see that that has also affected the proposed plans with Selhurst. But yeah, what's if you've got 100 million, what's 150 million, eh? Well, quiet. It just means uh, no more signings and uh, more injuries on the horizon. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's it's all ring fence. It's all ring fence. Um, uh, According to Woody's report here, the main stand is 100 years old next year, um, which is madness. So obviously long overdue um, upgrade. But when we moved to Selhurst Park in 1925, that's the stand that was... No? Listeners are probably screaming out telling me I don't know my history. But yeah, we we moved to Selhurst in 25. So um, So the stand was built. A year before then, 1924. Yeah, or well, maybe even like next, I don't know, next season. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, Madness, really. I mean, long overdue. Anyone that sits there, as I do, will know that it's it's massively overdue, a uh, an upgrade. Uh, but apparently one of the barriers that has been uh, overcome is the relocation of nearby residents, which we know is something that had been a, a roadblock for a while. So there we go. Fingers crossed. Who knows? Uh, my, my prediction is it, is it will get built. It, I think it will. I think they're too far down the line now. Give us a year. Um, what August will you be sitting in the new main stand? I think that's probably pushing it, but we'll uh, we'll no, see. No, no, no. What what August? Which, oh, what year? August? Oh, give us a year. So I think they can give yeah. us a year. Uh, Twenty twenty five. You think the new stand is going to be built in eighteen months' time? <laughs> God, now you know why when I was a local reporter on the uh, Seven Notes Chronicle, uh, that reports of local planning committee meetings <laughs> never made any sense. As soon as they said Section 106 agreement, I'll just glaze over. Yeah, um, it's it's, so, it's yeah. not the most exciting realm. I'll go with August 27. 27. Oh, wow. Okay. And I feel like that comes from a position of of, of authority I, there. So I, that's... I don't work in, in that realm specifically, just but just local infrastructure stuff just takes a long time yeah another four years then blimey okay possibly i might, I might not even be a palace fan by then who knows who knows it might be united ultra yeah exactly yeah i went on tuesday night against didcot it was it was great it was classic so That's i've been to more i've been to more chesham games than me the palace games this year probably shouldn't admit that on the podcast but i think by this point people have switched off so it's absolutely fine <laughs> right it's jack as soon as belly went like, <laughs> exactly like, yeah any sense <laughs> I've heard these too many times before. It's the same old shit. Bloody pair of jokers. <laughs> anyway, I know you've got to get up as well. So thank you very much for joining me, Jack, as well. And thanks to our listeners uh, for listening. Next week, oh, well, hopefully around next week with a bit of a special, um, we'll let you know. Uh, but a massive thanks to our patrons. Big thanks to Green King for their support this season. Greenking.com, sorry, greenking.co.uk slash pubs hyphen near hyphen me uh, to get yourself down for this first game in a couple of weeks. And we'll see you again very soon. Until then, take care. Enjoy the international break. Uh, goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.